You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Jesus Christ is resurrected because of the finished work on the cross, the tree, the wooden tree. And when you put the cross into that bitter cup that you're drinking from, it becomes sweet. How? Because when you can't forgive someone for what they've done to you, think about how much God has forgiven you. This world is filled with injustice, betrayal, and sin. Even the people we are closest to are flawed and can let us down. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will teach us that the message of the gospel gives us hope and power to be restored and healed of the bitterness of this life. Jesus offers you hope and healing today. Will you accept it? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 41 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 13, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Okay. One of the reasons I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time to get to Psalm 41 is because of this truth that is woven into the fabric of this most interesting psalm. It's not really easily seen at first read. And by the way, when we get to Psalm 55, we'll see this again. Obviously, this was a very hurtful uh, experience and time for David in referring to someone who was very close to him, really his former right-hand man by the name of Ahithophel. It was said of Ahithophel, who was David's chief advisor, that when he spoke, it was as the oracles of God, meaning that when he spoke, it was like the words that he spoke were the words from God himself. This was David's most trusted advisor, Ahithophel. This was the familiar friend who broke bread with him. And here in America in 2018, we really don't understand the significance of sitting down and breaking bread with somebody. This was in the Middle East, and even to this day, this was a bonding together. And by the way, when we partake together of the communion table, it carries the same idea. It's a common union with the Arab. If you take someone in and you feed them and you eat with them and break bread with them, they are loyal to you until death. That's the culture in that day. Because the thought was, especially in the nomadic culture in the Middle East, that when you take me in and you give me water to drink and food to eat, you save my life. Because I've been wandering there in the desert 
And I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and you've taken me in and you've fed me and you've given me water to drink. And that bread that's in you is the same bread that's in me. And there's a common union. There's a, there's a bond. This is why, by the way, in 1993, with then President Bill Clinton, Yasser Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin, when they shook hands on the Oslo peace agreement, this is why it meant nothing. Because the way that you would seal a deal would be to break bread with somebody and eat with them. This is why David refers to this, this man, this friend, this right-hand man of mine, this loyal friend of mine, he broke bread at my table. He ate with me at my table. And now... Clearly David is devastated by this man. He gets more detailed in Psalm 55 about how he could bear it if it was somebody other than someone as close as this Ahithophel was to him. So who is this Ahithophel? Well, he was David's chief advisor who advised him. In fact, David would not make a decision until he had the godly wisdom and counsel from Ahithophel. So what happened? Oh, about 10 years after David committed adultery with Bathsheba, David is informed that Ahithophel has joined with Absalom in this rebellion and this coup to actually kill David and Absalom become king of Israel. And when David heard that, he says to Hushai, and he prays to God, and he says, Lord, will you please rebuke and turn to foolishness the counsel of Ahithophel? Because now what Ahithophel is going to do is he's going to counsel Absalom on what he should do to kill me. And that's exactly what he does. In fact, he sends Hushai to go in to kind of, you know, as a spy, to counsel Absalom and to turn to foolishness the counsel of Ahithophel. And the counsel that Ahithophel gives to Absalom would have worked. David was dead if he would have heeded that counsel. But God gave Hushai the exact words at the exact time to counsel this Absalom, this son of David. And he heeded the counsel of Hushai, which basically gave David time. And he turned to foolishness the counsel of Ahithophel. Well, so here's the question. What? would cause a man like Ahithophel who loved David, who was loyal to David, to turn on David. Oh, he had a son who was actually one of David's 37 officers in his military. And that son had a daughter. And that daughter's name was Bathsheba. Ahithophel's granddaughter 
was Bathsheba. And when David committed adultery with his granddaughter, and then had her husband Uriah the Hittite, who interestingly was another one of David's 37 officers in his military. He never got over it. He never forgave David for that. And so again, 10 years go by and he is fuming. He is just, this bitterness is growing. This resentment towards David for committing adultery. This is his son's daughter, his granddaughter. This is his grandchild. And then he has her husband, who was so loyal to David, murdered. And that was the bitterness in his heart that took root and caused him to turn on his loyal king, King David. It's almost like he just waited for an Absalom to come along. And when that phone call came in, so to speak, and Absalom says, hey, Ahithophel, are you in? Yeah, I'm in. What's the plan? Well, I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> Counsel me, what do we do? Because now he's in Jerusalem. And it's in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. And we're told that when David heard of this, he left and with his his 600 loyal men, these were warriors, and they're leaving and there's a detail in the account where they are weeping bitterly as they're leaving Jerusalem. And he leaves the concubines behind. And what does Ahithophel counsel Absalom to do? He says, I want you to, in front of all of Israel, I want you to lay with all of the concubines. Because that's going to send the message that you need to send. Boy, he's doing everything he can to get back at David for what he did. And think about it. Is not what he's doing in his bitterness and resentment infinitely worse than what David did? Here's the problem for Ahithophel. God has forgiven David. He hasn't. David repented. And he held on to this. And this root of bitterness was allowed to sprout and germinate and bear this bitter fruit. So here's the account. Both Ahithophel and Hushai counsel Absalom, here's how to kill David. And he takes Hushai's advice, this was God. It was not to be. God was not going to allow Absalom to prevail. David was his king. David was the king of Israel. So he turns to foolishness, the counsel of Ahithophel. And when Ahithophel realizes what's happened, you know what he does? He goes home, gets his affairs in orders, and he takes his life. That's the danger and deadly nature of bitterness. That's how it ends for the Ahithophels in life. Hebrews 
chapter 12, verse 15, the writer of Hebrews says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Ahithophel was defiled. Here was a man that when he spoke, it was as the word of God. And this is his end. He tastes, he hangs himself. He commits suicide. Ahithophel. Maybe uh, this is for someone here. And there's been a bitterness in your heart towards someone. And it's grown. And by the way, (laughs) you're the slave. And the one that you're bitter against is your master. And it's destroying you from the inside out. It's defiling you. And left unchecked, this is how it ends. You know, I was um, reflecting on a time in my life many years ago, it was on the mainland, where I almost let bitterness get the best of me. It almost destroyed me, almost destroyed the calling that God had on my life. It almost destroyed me physically. I mean physically, I mean the manifestation of this bitterness. It took its toll on my digestive system, my nervous system. I mean, it really almost got the best of me. It almost destroyed me. I don't have to get into the details. Just a betrayal by somebody very close to me that I had just trusted and was very close to. And was I was very loyal to, thought they were loyal to me, and then they betrayed me. And it was so hurtful. I remember times crying in the fetal position uncontrollably until I had no more tears and all I had left were moans. It was that hurtful. I can feel what David is saying here and feeling here. So I want to share with you how it is that you can have victory over bitterness. And you can get rid of bitterness before bitterness gets rid of you, like it did with Ahithophel. So there's this interesting account in Exodus 15, and you have to kind of understand the the typology to really grasp the intensity of it. So it's when the Israelites make the exodus out of Egypt. And they're there at the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are hot on their tail, and they're sure that this is how it ends. (laughs) And... They even start, you know, crying out, saying to Moses, what? There wasn't enough graves in Egypt to kill us there. You had to bring us here to kill us. What's up with this? And so God has Moses just take his rod and parts the Red Sea miraculously. And we're told 
that the Israelites walked on dry ground. I wish the movies would have done a better job with the, the depiction of this. There's even been some recent ones that are just horrible, actually. I think in the Ten Commandments it was, I guess, close enough. <laughs> they walked on dry ground. And God delivered them. He literally parted the Red Sea. You know, there's been some who have suggested, well, it was actually the Reed Sea and the winds came up and it was kind of shallow. And so it wasn't really a miracle. And so they kind of downplay it to which I, I love one response was this. Oh, that's really even a greater miracle because then that means that God miraculously drowned the Egyptians in shallow water. I like it when God does what he does the way he does so that no man can refute it. No, this, this was the Red Sea. It was an ocean. And we know a thing or two about oceans here in Hawaii, right? He parted it and they walked on dry ground. Now you would think that on the other side of the Red Sea as they're praising and thanking God for the deliverance from the Egyptians in this miraculous parting of the Red Sea, that they would never have a problem again. Three days. Count them. Three days. They're thirsty. And they come to this water, the water of Marah. Problem. You know what Marah in Hebrew means? <laughs> Bitter. And they go to drink it and they can't because the water is bitter. So God said, three days. Three days. Listen, before you come down too hard on the Israelites, let's be honest. Maybe it's not three days, maybe three weeks. We have short memories. We don't remember, oh, uh, this is what God did in my life. And what, he's not going to deliver me now? Some time has passed. He's not going to deliver me now? Three days. What is that, 72 hours? Let's call it 72 hours. Three days. I want to get back to the typology of three days here in a moment. But 72 hours later, and they come to this water and they start complaining again. Surely God brought us out here to kill us. What, weren't there enough graves in the, the water's bitter and we're thirsty. We're dying of thirst out here. So God has Moses take the wood from a tree and put it into the bitter waters and the water turns sweet. Here's the typology. Three days. Jesus Christ is resurrected because of the finished work on the cross, the tree, the wooden tree. And when you put the cross into that bitter cup that you're drinking from, it becomes sweet. How? Because when you can't forgive someone for what they've done to you, think about how much God has forgiven you. That's how God delivered me from the deadly danger of bitterness. That's how he turned the bitter to sweet because when you put the cross into that bitterness, into that bitter situation, here's what 
And this maybe is a word for somebody tonight. It's not what they did to me. It's what Jesus did for me. And when I put that cross into that bitter cup, I no longer see it as what they did to me. It's what Jesus has done for me. And that changes everything. And that turns the bitterness to sweetness. So I can forgive them. Because God has forgiven me. Oh Lord, forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive me of my trespasses. How? I can forgive you of your trespasses against me because God has forgiven me of my trespasses against him. So it's not what they've done to me. It's what Jesus did for me. He died for me and he has forgiven me of all of my sins. I think about what Oswald Chambers said famously. It's not have I been wronged. It's have I wronged. It's not have I been wronged. It's have I wronged. If you're holding on to that bitterness and that resentment and you're withholding forgiveness and you think by withholding forgiveness you're somehow evening the score, you have no idea. You're in prison and you have the key to get out of that prison of bitterness. And it's the key of forgiveness. And it's the cross being put into that bitterness to turn it into sweetness. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for your word and just the practicality, the reality of how applicable it is to our lives. Who knew? You knew. All of these generations later from when David would pen this psalm inspired by the Holy Spirit. And here we are tonight on the windward side of Oahu, reading these psalms and learning the lesson in these psalms. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray for anybody who has been given over to bitterness. Lord, would you please bring the cross, that old rugged cross, into the bitterness of that situation and turn it to sweetness as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 